Hello, and welcome to today's edition of Tabernacle Today, a podcast maintained by The Tabernacle located in Danville, Virginia. Additional information about The Tabernacle can be found at our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by the Word of God today. Turn in your Bibles for another edition of Tabernacle Today. Good morning. As Alan has graciously introduced me already, um, most of you know me, but um, once again, I am Stacy Morris. Um, our family began attending the Tabernacle um, in the early 70s, shortly after this building was, was finished. Um, I'm the middle, middle child of three sons um, uh, and one Father's Day. Um, I walked the aisle here and uh, knelt at these steps. Um, the carpet was red back then, the wood was a little darker shade, but um, we were preaching the same gospel that's being preached here today. And I came to know Jesus, uh, Brian Tomlinson, met me right at these steps and, and, and led me to the Lord. And I've been trying to serve the Lord ever since. Um, I'm, I'm not worthy of, of uh, the salvation the Lord has afforded me and the forgiveness he's, he's given all of us. Um, but I'm grateful um, that he has. Um, so I, today, I, I have my phone with me because... I don't know if it's the devil working against us or, um, or if it was the Lord's way of telling me I need to speak from my heart and not so much from, from a, uh, an outline or, or printed notes. But I've been keeping notes electronically in an outline and for whatever reason, last night and this morning, our printer's not working. <laughs> so I took a picture of the outline so I would get headed the right direction and then I have... Uh, tried to scribble out some notes as well. Um, just a little about um, my current family right now. Um, my wife and I have had the honor and privilege of raising two fantastic boys uh, who are grown and, and married, and we have two fantastic daughter-in-laws, and um, we have the privilege and honor of, uh, of enjoying two grandchildren, and it's the most fun we've ever had. Um, by far, um, our grandkids are, are like a sponge, and, and uh, we get to teach them about the Word, and uh, what, what an honor. Um, I would say that we're empty nesters, but we share our house with a 100-pound German Shepherd, <laughs> and so it's never empty. Um, she keeps it lively. Um, she, gives, she gives us love. Uh, if... Uh, God tells us to love one another, and if, you, if you've ever been loved by a German shepherd, you, would, you, you, you know they have plenty of love to give. Um, and I'm, I'm up here today um, to share how God worked in my life in a time of, of, of tribulation uh, back in October of 2021 um, when I had a, a bout with COVID and, and was hospitalized. Um, this, this church and many, many other churches and, and many people even around the world, I found out, were, were praying for me. And I hope to share how God worked a magnificent plan that, that, that no man could have created, no man could have put into place, um, but God did. 
and he worked it out in, in his way, in his time, um, and, and brought me through it. And I'm here today to, to hopefully share that story um, with you. Um, I'm sure that, that many of you have similar stories and could do a much better job than, than I can. Um, and I hope today will encourage each of us to, to remember that we have a personal testimony and each of us have events in our lives and experiences where God has brought us through and otherwise, without God, if it's left up to, sometimes the medical professionals give us no hope. They tell us, there's nothing we can do for you. But we know when we put our faith in God that anything's possible. And that's what I want to share today. Um, I'll try to glance at my outline here to stay on focus, stay focused here. Um, and I, I hope to, to not become an emotional wreck today. I hope to, that God will allow me to, to speak clearly, um, to share this experience. It's, uh, to even think about it is, uh, is very emotional for me. It's very, very tough, very difficult um, for me to think that fellow believers like yourselves would take the time to pray for me and that God would respond to those prayers and heal me um, for a worthless sinner like myself that's so undeserving, um, it's, uh, it's hard to comprehend. Um, and, go, and going back to, for us using our personal testimonies um, to, to, to demonstrate how God has worked in our lives and the power of God. Um, you know, Jesus, when he was... Um, on earth as a man and during his ministry um, parables and stories it was one of the the most powerful tools that he used and so as Christians today uh, let's not forget that let's not forget that the the power uh, of his word and the power of our stories how powerful our stories can be to spread his word um, never underestimate how um, how you can impact someone else's life through your testimony. Um, and I'm standing here today to tell you about how God brought me primarily through COVID, but you've just heard that Alan in 1991, you know, I served in Desert Storm and um, this church prayed for me back then and many other people. And God brought me through that, um, had many perilous times, but through God's blessings and protections, um, he brought me through it. Um, and the fact that I survived COVID doesn't make me very special. Um, in fact, uh, probably most people in this room had COVID. How, how many, by a show of hands, how many people in this room had COVID? See, it's pretty, pretty much 90% of us, right? Um, but when I had COVID, God allowed me to become very ill. Um, according to statistics in the United States, over 100 million 
Americans. There were documented cases of COVID in America. And over a million people, uh, their deaths were attributed to COVID in some, some manner. And we had had before COVID went through our family and I became ill. We had several people that we knew that we had lost, um, they had lost their battle to COVID as well. So it was already very, very real, very real for us. Um, so when it came to our family and I became ill, um, we didn't take it lightly and it, it didn't become a light manner for us. Um, I'd like to start today, um, if you would turn in your Bible to uh, Psalms 46. Psalm 46 We're going to come back to several times today, and we'll refer to it. Um, the, de- the Sunday that I lay in the hospital clinging, clinging for my life, Eddie chose Psalm 46 that day to read out loud in its entirety, and that's what we're going to do today. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, and the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord. Privileged, Lord, to be able to assemble with with fellow believers who are willing to pray for each other, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for hearing those prayers, Lord for acting on those prayers, Lord, and for healing. Lord, we know that you designed the human body and we know you can heal it even when the doctors think it's not possible. And Lord, I just pray today, Lord, that everything that's said and done here, Lord, would praise your name and bring glory to you. 
In your name I pray. Amen. So, to set the stage, um, to go back to October of 2021. October of 2021 is a month that our family will never forget. Uh, on October the 5th, um, I became ill, started feeling sick, and just became weaker each and every day thereafter um, for weeks. On October the 10th, in Danville, my aunt was murdered. On October the 13th, in 2021, I was hospitalized. At the same time, uh, seven or eight of our family members at least became ill with COVID at the same time. And some of them had significant battles. And on October the 27th, my father passed away. So you're talking within three week period, our family was forever changed. And when you go through times like that, you need the Lord. Without the Lord, I don't know where you would be. And Psalms 46 clearly, clearly tells us that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. And that's where we place our faith. It's very difficult for me to talk about this and not become emotional. I apologize. Once I was able to get out of the hospital in October, I'd sent a text to my, our immediate family um, and I told them in the text that when we tell our story, that a lot of people may not believe our story, that I could be so, so ill with the doctors leaving us no hope, yet within a couple of days actually get out of the hospital and walk out. And I said, people simply won't believe it. And I, and I, I told them, maybe it's too callous, that I don't care. I said, we didn't choose to write this chapter in our lives. God did. But he gave us this experience in our life to be able to share with the others and to glorify him. And that's exactly what I hope to do today is by sharing this story is to show you the power that God has and the hope he can bring you when you place your faith in him and not the things of this world. When you think things are hopeless, whether it's physical, relational, or whatever your problems may be, place your faith and hope in God 
and he can carry you through it. And that's a story, one, just one story that I hope to walk you through today. And to any of my friends that think you're going to text me or call me right now, to be funny, my phone is on airplane mode, so I don't need that anymore. So, yeah. Um, to set the stage for October 2021, um, I actually have to go back previously to 18 months to the beginning of uh, 2020. Um, at that time, we all know that the, the virus had, had spread like wildfire. Um, businesses were being shut down. Uh, people were being told not to, not to come to work, uh, work from home. Um, and so I, I work in finance and when the first few months of the year, it's, 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 it's pretty hectic. And so uh, our, the industry that I work in was deemed essential. So we were allowed, allowed to come to work. Um, and so we continue to come to work. Uh, my coworkers here with me, uh, we work side by side each and every day. Uh, his name is Steve Schropfrier. Um We work side by side each and every day. And, and one day in late, late March, when most everyone was working at home, I would drive to work and there would be no cars on the road. It would be the only car on 29 and, and I-40. It would be desolate. And, and Steve and I worked together every day. And so finally one day in March of 2020, I looked at him and I said, Steve, you know, if... If I come down with COVID, you're going to get COVID. And if you get COVID, I'm going to get it. Are you okay with that? And Steve is 10 years younger than I am, runs, excellent physical shape. He wasn't concerned. He said, I'm okay with that. I said, okay, let's get back to work. In our line of work, sometimes we have to make forecasts, create forecasts or predictions. If I had, uh, if that was a forecast or a prediction, I, I wish I could have made a, uh, God would have allowed me to make a different, a better prediction or forecast because about 18 months later, Steve and I had a, had a meeting in my office. You had to have Zoom meetings at the time. So we're sitting close to each other looking at my laptop. That was uh, on Monday, October the 4th, I believe, in 2021. The next morning, I woke up and I knew that I was sick. Um, the next few days, I got weaker and weaker. Like most people, a lot of people, I tested negative out first, tested negative for days, but continued to get weaker and weaker. Um, ultimately ended up testing positive, maybe on the 11th, on the, on the next Monday. I find out that Steve and I both, indeed, just as we had discussed, we both came, came down with COVID at the same time. I, I'm glad if I had to have a friend to go through 
that journey with, I picked the right one. Because my friend is a fellow believer who's willing to pray for me. And those prayers were heard, prayers of many. By Wednesday, about October the 13th, I'd become so ill that I basically, I couldn't, I didn't have the strength to walk, just to do normal things. And one of my friends that's in the EMS business took it upon himself to send two community, two paramedics that are in the community paramedicine program, it's called. Basically, they go throughout the community. They make house calls to try to help people with illnesses or take their medication. Um, at the time, hospitals were overwhelmed. Doctor's office was overwhelmed, so it was hard to get in places. But I never imagined that uh, the community paramedics would be making a welfare check. They call it a welfare check when they go check on an individual to see how they're doing or to help them take their medication or whatnot. I never dreamed I would be the recipient of a welfare check from my friends, Keith Carroll and Johnny Mills. They came to our house. They put me through a battery of tests. And they discovered... that my O2 levels were too low. I said, Stacey, you're not maintaining your O2 levels to an appropriate level. I said, they're at a level that if you don't do something, your body organs are going to start shutting down. You need to get in the truck. And we need to go to the ER. And they called the ER, and the ER said they had one room come now. And I don't know if you know Keith Carroll, but Keith looked at me and said, Stacy, get in the truck now. Keith, Keith is a very, like, really calm guy. And I knew if Keith was getting excited that it must be serious. What a blessing to have friends that care about you enough to come check on you. And they have the skills. They spent the time to, to be trained and have the God-given skills and talent to determine how you're doing and whether you need medical help. I'll be forever grateful to my friends. By Wednesday, I was checked in through the ER to, into the hospital. And on Thursday morning, my health deteriorated very rapidly. First thing Thursday morning, when I'm hooked to, I'm hooked to all these monitors and it's monitoring heart rate, blood pressure, all those things, O2 levels. All of a sudden, Thursday morning, my vital signs all plummeted all at one time and I could see the numbers on the monitors all going down. And when that happens, as many of you in the medical profession know, all these alarms and bells and whistles start going off. The medical staff rushes in, 
they work on me for a little while. And I stable, my vital signs stabilized. And that's when the discussions began to place me on a ventilator. There's, said your body's not, not working for itself. It's not producing enough oxygen into your body to, to keep your organs going. We need to put you on a ventilator. My wife and I had had discussions. We had seen in the news everything that's going on. And we had decided well in advance of this that if we became ill enough to require a ventilator that we would not, we would not take that route. We decided that we would place it in God's hands, that we would ask people to prayer, to pray for us. And that's what we did. That's, that's the choice we made. I was connected to what's called a high volume oxygen machine. And basically, the machine is forcing air into your lungs at 100% oxygens that I was on for several days, three or four days. But that becomes problematic because the oxygen being forced into your airways dries you out so bad that I began bleeding. So that oxygen had to, we had to eventually start turning that back. Um, because my body just couldn't take, take that much oxygen being forced into my airways. I continued to get weaker and we had turned down the opportunity to be connected to the ventilator And even though there were medications available at the time to fight against this virus, the doctors said that for whatever reason, I wasn't a candidate for any of those type medications. The doctor came, to, came into my room on Friday. It was very weak. And he tells me that, he says, we're not going to administer any type of, of drugs for you other than the steroids that we're giving you. And he says, there's nothing we can do for you. I'm sorry. And he walked out. I didn't lose faith in God at that time. It increased my faith. I knew that as Psalms 46 tells us, that God was my refuge and strength. 
And that's where we turned. On Saturday, I've been sick for almost two weeks now, Saturday morning. I was so weak physically that I was just trying to get to my next breath. Mentally, I was exhausted. I've had this conversation with the doctor. He says, there's nothing we can do for you. And so I let those negative thoughts started to creep into my mind that, okay, I might not leave here alive. This might really be the end for me. And so I start accepting that. In my mind, I start accepting that. As if I can make that decision to let go. My wife would FaceTime me sometimes and I was so weak I couldn't, I couldn't respond verbally. She would talk to me and I would text short responses. So Saturday things are pretty bleak. And that's when the oldest boy, we, our oldest that we have raised Jonathan, Saturday afternoon, has sent me several texts of, of videos of our grandkids trying to cheer me up. And Jonathan and I, we have a lot of things in common. We both served in the military. We both deployed the war. We spent three decades together. We have a way of communicating with few words. I was so weak, I, I couldn't listen to music. I couldn't watch television. I couldn't watch the videos that he was sending me because what you fail to realize is that in order to do those, perform those simple activities like watch television, listen to music, it takes energy to focus. And my mind and my body was so depleted that I could not focus to be able to do those things, to, to watch TV, to listen to music. I couldn't do either. So finally, I sent Jonathan a text. And it was a three-word text. And it simply said, I'm in trouble. Three words. I'm in trouble. Jonathan texts me back. And his text back to me lit a fire inside of me and mentally got me back on track to realize that it wasn't up to me to decide when I was going to let go to put it back. It was God's. It was God's will that I needed to be seeking, not my personal decision. What Johnson's text said to me, his text said, you always believed in me. 
And I believe in you. And you said in life, whenever we had a problem, you never dwelt on the problem. You always found a way for us to move forward. And that's what I'm telling you to do now. He said, you have to put those negative thoughts out of your head and find a way to move forward. And what he was telling me to do is what Christ wants you to do with your life. And that, that was exactly how our life lived, our, lived, how our family lived our lives. But what God wants from me and you is to put the past behind. Whatever problems you have, whatever mistakes you've had, made, whatever sins you've committed, God wants you to leave those in the past. He wants you to move forward. God's willing to forgive you for whatever you've done, whatever sins you've committed. You might think you're, you're undeserving. You can never be forgiven. But God will forgive you if you just ask him. Place your faith in him. And that's what, all, what his texts helped me reminded me, helped me to get back in the right frame of mind. So Jonathan is 31 years old now. If you think when you're raising your children or grandchildren or the children you work with in Awana, Sunday school, if you think for a minute you're not impacting those kids, you're wrong. I hope you realize how much your personal testimony, your actions every day, your words impact and mold these children. To show you how much Jonathan believed in me. When he was eight or nine years old, he played little league baseball. And I would take him and one of his friends out to the local elementary school, take buckets of balls, and I would throw pitch after pitch after pitch, and they would take turns batting practice. One would hit. The other one would field. I'd make them field every ball because those baseballs are expensive. I had a bucket full. So one day we had been there for a while. I had thrown probably over 100 pitches easily. He's standing in his batting stance, perfect batting stance, and I throw a pitch, and it hits him, and he didn't even flinch. He didn't even move. He's still standing in his batting stance after the pitch hit him. And I said, Jonathan, why did you not move? Why did you just stand there while the ball's coming directly at you and it hit you? And he looked at me dead serious as an eight or nine year old would do. And he said, well, I didn't think you would hit me. 
as a parent, I, I mean, I was stunned. I didn't know what to say. I was like, but you saw the ball coming at you. It was coming straight at you and you didn't move. Yeah, but I didn't think you would hit me. And that, that kind of messed me up. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't throw any more batting practice after that. And I was like, this child believes in me so much that even though he sees the baseball coming straight at him, he stood there because he, he didn't believe I would actually hit him with the baseball. And I said, okay, I said, pick him up. I, let's just go. Because mentally that, that shook me that I had that much influence. That type of relationship, that type of belief, that type of faith, that's what God desires from you. God wants a personal relationship with you. And that relationship is through faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ. And God's word tells us that you will never know Jesus. You won't come to him unless you come to him like a child. And if you don't have that relationship today, I hope after today you will make that choice. I'll come back to to me being in the hospital on that Saturday. Being weak, but getting that text from Jonathan got me back on track, so to speak. And although I was, I was weak, physically weak, mentally, and almost ready to give up, I was never in fear. In Psalms 46, in verse 2, tells us not to live in fear. Verse 2 tells us, therefore we will not, therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. When you have faith in God, He gives us hope, eternal hope. I didn't have to fear the outcome. All I needed to do was seek God's will. And if His will was to take me home. I didn't fear that. I don't fear being with the Lord. And as Christians, that's how, that's how we don't have to live in fear. God has, has provided us an eternal home with him. God's removed fear from Christians, from believers. Sunday came, still in this hospital bed, unable to, to get up, function properly. 
one of the doctors came in early Sunday morning. He asked me if I was better. Being the fine Christian I am, I lied to him. I couldn't really respond to him, but I held up these two fingers and I said, indicating that I was just a little bit better. Physically, that wasn't true. Mentally, I think I was. So just a little bit. So the doctor responded. He said, I'll take it. He said, it can be a long road. Recovery can be a very long road. And if you can recover at 3% a day, just 3% a day, we can get you there. We can, you can get back. And he left the room. I'm an accountant. Steve and I both are accountants. We crunch numbers for a living. So as an accountant, I'm laying in this bed, and I just had this conversation with this doctor about a 3% improvement a day. And I start trying to apply numbers to my situation. I'm like, well, I'm still alive. That has to account for something. So I said, I must be at least 10%. I said, I don't... I don't feel much better than that. So I said, okay, let's just say I'm 10%. So I said, at 10%, if I can improve at 3% a day, I said, that's a long time. I said, that's like three weeks to get even close to start getting better. And that's when it dawned on me. said, the God I serve, he didn't need three weeks to make me better. I said, I serve a big God. And my God can do better than 3% a day. And that's, that's what I, I, I believe. I, I know. I didn't have to believe. It. I know it. And I started telling everyone that came into the room, and they thought I was crazy from then on. I said, I'm not going to walk out of this room. I said, God's going to carry me out of this room. And the hospital staff must have thought I was a raving lunatic. So they're like, this guy, he can barely speak. He can't stand. And the doc, he's sitting here, tell, the doctor's telling how sick he is. There's nothing we can do for him. And he's telling us God's going to carry him out of here. So after the doctor left and I started doing my math that Sunday morning, math that I didn't like, so this service is broadcast on Facebook, Facebook Live. So I had my phone, so I brought up the service on Facebook Live. And as you see on the screen here, you see the, you have a five-minute countdown, and that, that's what you see on, on Facebook Live. So at 10.15, the countdown on the clock hits zero. Zero, zero, zero. 
At that exact moment, all my vital signs plummeted again. This had occurred four or five times. I see all the numbers dropping on the monitors. All the alarms and bells are going off. Staff comes running into the room. They attend to me for a while. Apparently within a few minutes, my vital signs stabilized again. And I realized that the service was still playing on my phone. And apparently, a few minutes had gone by, a few songs had been sang, and I heard Pastor Eddie stepping up to this microphone. And he says, we're going to read Psalms 46 today, and we're going to read the whole thing. I said, well, I know Psalm, I know Psalms 46. I know that. I've known that all my life. I said, I need that. I need Psalm 46 today. But there was one verse that I knew I needed. Somehow, I knew I needed verse 10. So when Eddie says, I'm going to read the whole thing, and I know that paying attention for me is a struggle, he started reading at verse 1. And I was, Eddie! Get to verse 10. <laughs> because I knew my time was limited to, to pay attention. And the more verses he read, the madder I got. Eddie's at church. I'm getting mad at him. Finally, he gets to verse 10. And it hits me like a brick. Verse 10 says... Be still and know that I am God. I said, hmm. I said, okay. I said, I know you are God. I know you created the entire universe. You spoke it into existence. I said, I've got that part, God. I know. I know you're God. Those first two words, be still. I said, lately, I haven't, haven't been very good at that. We're all guilty. We go to work. I commute to work 60 miles. I'm in the car two hours a day. We all work eight, nine, ten hours a day. We mow the grass. We go to church. We have functions with our family. We go to other events. And we find ourselves tired and busy and not finding the time to be still and grow closer to God. I said, okay, God, I get it. I'm still. I said, you've got me in this hospital bed and the message is received loud and clear. I got it. I'm still. Sometimes when God needs to deliver you a message, you don't know how he's going to do it. But I think I received that one loud and clear. Be still. 
Be still so you can grow closer to me. That's what he wants. That's what he wants from all of us. Still physically on Sunday. Sunday was a struggle. Physically, I wasn't any better. I got a text from Gary. Gary Reynolds. We exchanged texts. And we must have talked, talked about me talking to the doctor that morning. Because Gary in one of his texts, relays to me and says, hey, I know recovering can be a long road. Well, now I've lied to the doctor today. I've gotten mad at Eddie. And now I'm mad at Gary. And I said, Gary, he's been our Sunday school teacher for several decades. I said, Gary, he's one of the best men of God I've ever met. And I said, Gary, the God that I believe in doesn't need a long road for recovery. I said, he doesn't need any road. He can pick me up and carry me out of here today. Right now, if he so chooses. I didn't tell Gary I was mad at him. I told him later. James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. On that Sunday, on that same Sunday, there was a lot going on on Sunday. My wife had told me that my co-worker and friend and brother in Christ, Steve, who's here today, he, his wife, two little girls, beautiful girls, Steve was suffering from COVID too, he had quarantined himself into a, a room in his house, a room away from his family to not spread it to them. And he was in that room blaming himself for spreading COVID to his friend, for making his friend sick. And he was on his hands and knees praying for me. He was bringing misery to himself, praying to God on my behalf. So I tried to conjure up all the strength I had and I was going to FaceTime Steve and I was going to convince him that I wasn't doing so bad. I dialed him up on FaceTime, camp on the screen, his words to me, man, am I, am I glad to see you? He said, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for some, just for some small change. My response to him was not kind. I said, Steve, you look terrible. I said, you look worse than me. I said, pull yourself together. I said, we serve a big God. You quit praying for those little things and you pray for something big. He said, I got it. We hung up. And he went back to praying for me. What a, an honor and a privilege to have friends and, and fellow believers that are willing to pray for you. 
one thing that God had orchestrated for both Steve and I. I'm laying in this bed. He's quarantined into a room by himself. God accomplished verse 10. We have both been crazy busy. But his word tells us to be still. And that's where he had us both. He had him quarantined in a room by himself. He had me in this hospital room by myself. He had us exactly where he wanted us. He wanted us to be still and draw closer to him. And I think we accomplished that. On Monday morning, I was rolled out of the room, hospital room on a stretcher. Taken to x-ray, brought back. Doctors read the x-ray and said, nothing's changed. Your health's exactly the same. Your lungs are still all cloudy, all messed up. Still, still the same as your x-rays last Wednesday. I didn't really think that was, that, that was true. On Monday morning, I could get words out easier. I was still physically weak, but my words were coming out easier. So I didn't agree with that assessment, even though that's what the x-rays said. Tuesday morning, after eating my breakfast, I was so weak that I would have to, it would take me an hour to eat because I had to work so hard to eat. But I would I eat all three meals, take me an hour to do it. So Tuesday morning, I had finished breakfast, And somehow, the Lord placed it upon my mind to get up. Sounds simple enough, but when you hadn't been able to do it, it's not. So I slide off the edge of the bed. The wall's not that far away. And I'm leaning against the wall. I'm upright, but I'm leaning against the wall. Doctor comes in. He sees me leaning against the wall, and he says... What are you doing? I said, well, I'm standing up. He said, well, it looks like you're responding to treatment well. I said, well, I hope so. So we have a conversation. And he starts to tell me that, and we had, the oxygen had, had been turned back. He starts to tell me that if I can walk around this room while wearing the oxygen for it was some period of time, I don't know if it was five minutes, some short period of time, and you can maintain your O2 levels above 90, I legally, I can't keep you in this hospital. I said, okay, really? He said, do you want to take that test? Now, I just told you how the last several days went, right? This doesn't sound like a guy that's going to get up and, and walk out of the hospital. But this is a conversation we're having. Just had the x-rays the day before. Nothing changed. I said, I'll take your test and I'll pass it. 10 o'clock Wednesday morning, nurse comes in. She says, are you ready for your test? That was the only time I'd stood up to get out of the bed. It was Tuesday when I was talking to him. I'd immediately gotten back in the bed. 
So I said, yes, I'm ready for the test. So you have to understand, I'm, I'm strung out on steroids, generally a nice guy. <laughs> so I'm going to be a wise guy. So I said, yeah, I'm going to take your test, and I'm going to take my oxygen off. I'm going to do it without it. So I take the oxygen off. I get up, and because I'm hooked to these monitors, all these leads, she has to push the little cart around, follow me around this room. It was a larger room. And so I, had, I walked in a circle. I started walking, and I saw the clock on the wall. And I had to do this for, I don't know, five Easily the five minutes or something. So I've been walking in a circle and I said, I'm even going to make it harder. I'm going to talk the whole time. So this poor nurse is in here with this raving lunatic, she must think, walking in circles, listening to me talk. So finally I look up at the, I'm about to collapse and I look up at the clock. It's like 10:19. So I've been doing this for 19 minutes and I can't. I don't know how. The Lord carried me around that room because physically I couldn't do it. Finally, I look at her and I ask her, I said, how am I doing? She said, you passed the test. And I said, okay. She leaves the room. My wife, family, and friends had sent me things. So I go get my bag. I'm over here and I'm throwing my stuff in the bag. And the doctor comes in once again. What are you doing? And I said, I took your test. I said, I'm packing. I took your test and I passed. You said you would discharge me if I did that. And that's exactly what happened. I was ultimately discharged. I wouldn't say I walked out of the hospital. I did. Or think God carried me out of the hospital. It was kind of a shuffle. It wasn't really a walk. The hospital staff took notice. They were all excited and announcing me as I came down the hall. And I'm grateful that God healed me. God brought me here today and has allowed me to share this story with you. Um, there's just one, one more thing that I want to share. We'll throw one more item. There are lots of more parts to the story. But when I got home, my wife picked me up and I got home and I looked at her and I said, you're sick. I said, I know you're sick. We've been together for several decades. I said, why haven't you gone to the doctor? I said, where is your, I said, you must have tested. Where is your test? She said, I threw it away. I said, you're sick. She said, I said, did you take a picture of the test? She, she did. She showed it to me. She was definitely 100% positive. I said, why have you not gone to the doctor? Why have you not done something? to take care of yourself. She said, I didn't have time to be sick. I was trying to save you. She had been talking to the doctors back and forth. I said, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I said, 
I don't know if that's love or just plain crazy. But I love you for it. That level of commitment is what God seeks and desires from you today. And I'm going to leave, I'm going to read a few verses out of Romans 5. Romans 5 tells us, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad, abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I was able to be at peace and not live in fear when my life was in danger, because I had faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith in Jesus Christ provides me hope. And that's what I long for you today. If you do not know Jesus Christ today as your personal Savior, I urge you, let today be the day that you make that decision. You can have the same peace that I had. I have. If you simply turn your life over to Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what you've done, what sins you've committed. He's willing to forgive you. He washed away your sins with his blood when he died on the Christ. And he's a living God. He rose again. And he wants to know you. He wants you to know him. I urge you today to make that decision if you haven't. Let us pray. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Tabernacle Today. To learn more about The Tabernacle, please visit our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. There you may access additional Tabernacle Today podcasts as well as other resources. If you don't have a church home or happen to be visiting the area, we'd love to welcome you to one of our weekly services. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you back for another edition of Tabernacle Today.